Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so baptism, let's get into this this morning. I'm going to break this down into a few simple points for you. Number one, I just want to make this clear. Very simply, number one, the Bible instructs us to be baptized. Right? If you, if you want to be a Christian, you should get baptized. Amen. If you haven't been baptized, you need to seriously, like, do it today. Right? We're doing it today. You can do it today. Don't wait. In fact, the Bible teaches, as I'll show you, the pattern. You need to get saved. You need to get water baptized. You, don't, you need to wait six months, ten months, a year to get things right. There's a supernatural thing that takes place with, with water baptism. It's not just dipping in the water. Is that water magic? No. It's, what, it's your faith applied to what's happening that, that causes the release of God's power in your life. And I'll explain that a little bit. But very simply, the Bible instructs us to be baptized. Look at Mark 1.4. This was the first baptizer, John the Baptist. It says, this messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness, and he preached that people should be baptized to show that they have repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. And and I'll get into this. What is baptism, right? Number one, I'm covering that you should be baptized, and then I'll get into what is it. And very simply, you could just take this one verse and have a pretty good understanding of what water baptism is. It's a symbolism. It's to show that you have repented of your sins and turned to God to be forgiven. So say repentance. Look at Matthew 4.17. I'm sorry. What does it really mean to repent? Matthew 4, 17, I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent. I love the Amplified because it helps break this down for us to understand. It says repent, and then it has a parenthesis. That means to change your inner self. Say change. change. You guys know that repentance is not saying you're sorry. You can actually repent and never say you're sorry, although you should say you're sorry. Right, men, don't take that as an excuse to just mess up on your, be a jerk, and then, you know what, all right, I'll change, but I'm not apologizing. No, you should apologize. Amen. But repentance isn't just, oh, man, I messed up, and I'm sorry, and then I go, and I messed up again, and I'm sorry, and I go, and I messed up again, and I'm sorry. Repenting actually means to change your course of direction and to actually change the way that you think. Amen. That means I'm going this way, and to repent means I stop, I turn, and I start to go this way. And a lot of Christians, they never get this foundational doctrine of repentance. They never do this. They never, they never do like the first steps of salvation because they'll be going, and then they'll mess up, and then they'll continue to kind of live in the life that they were living before they gave their life to Jesus, and they'll say, man, I'm sorry. It, it, you know, because when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you, And it says that one of the things that he does is he convicts the world of God's righteousness. So when you get saved, guess what? 
you're going to have a conviction on the inside of you. Where you're like, I tried to go back and do the thing. How come I did this thing last week and didn't feel anything, but then when I gave my life to Jesus, now I went and tried to do the same thing, but this time I feel bad about it. I feel guilty about it. What is that? That's the conviction of God's spirit. That's the, you're grieving God. He's showing you, hey, you're doing something that's contrary to God's word. You're doing something that's contrary to God's will. And you're actually doing something that's contrary to my purpose and my plan for your life. I have a plan to bless you. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to bless you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you hope. Plans to give you a future. Jesus said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you may have life and life abundantly. Say this. Say, God wants me blessed. blessed. You know, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. A lot of people... You know, condemnation comes from the devil, but conviction is sweet like honey. It comes from the Spirit of God. I'll tell you the way that God showed it to me. You know, when I was in Bible college, the Lord gave me this very simple illustration. But the Lord said, okay, John, I want you to think about your life. The Bible says in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside green pastures, said green pastures, say still waters. He prepares a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. He brings me to the place where my cup overflows with blessing. Right? I just said John 10.10, life and life abundantly. The Lord said, John, son, here's my perfect will for your life right here. Here's this circle. And inside this circle is green pastures. It's still waters. It's, It's abundant living. It's abundant life. It's joy. It's peace. It's victory. And it's right here. And he said, here's, so here's that circle. And he said, here's where you're at over here. And the Lord said, I know everything that needs to go. I know everything that needs to change. And I know everything that needs to happen to get you from right here to right here. And when the Lord spoke that to me, I learned the difference between condemnation and conviction. The Lord said, when I be, whenever I begin to speak to you, you're doing something. That's contrary. You're doing something that's against my word and against my will. He's not saying, that's it. I'm done with you. I hate you. You're going to hell. But he does grieve you. Why? And it's sweet because he's speaking to you about the things that need to go to get you from here to over here. To get you from where you're at into his perfect will, a land overflowing with milk and honey. The promise. Say the promised land. God's got a promised land for you. You know, and so I began to, you know, when I was young and I'd give my life to Jesus, I remember being a teenager, struggling with like pornography and, and things like that, because I just didn't understand. I would mess up in an area and then I would feel this, this conviction, but I, I mistake the voice for condemnation. And I would begin to mess up and I would feel like God's, ma- I'd feel that grieving, like, oh my gosh, you know, I feel this weight, I feel this darkness, I feel like I've stepped out of the light of, of the gospel. And, and, and I begin to, this is what condemnation does, is it pushes you away from God. God's mad at me. I've blown it. Now I've messed up the chance that he gave me. Now he doesn't want me. Now it's just, it's too late. Now, since I've messed up, I might as well just quit now. That's what that voice did. Man, you were trying to live for Jesus, and look, you were good for six months, but now you messed up. Now you might as well just quit. And that voice of condemnation will drive you away from God. But the sweet voice of conviction is God saying, listen, I love you. 
I want you blessed. Listen, I'm not okay with what you're doing, but the reason why is because this is going to lead you to hell. This is going to lead you to destruction, and this is going to open the door and keep the door open for the enemy to wreak havoc in your life. God loves people. For God so hated the world, now he loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God's not mad at you trying to kill you. Did you know that? If God was trying to kill you, you'd be dead already. God don't have to try very hard to kill people. <laughs> Amen. Ask Ananias and Sapphira. Ask King Agrippa. Consumed by worms. He don't have to try that hard to kill you if he wants to. That's the devil lying to you. Y'all with me? So repentance, that's what a lot of Christians will do, is that they'll, they'll have that grievance of the Spirit, and they'll go to start following the Lord, and then they'll like, oh, I messed up, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. But yet every day after day, they, st- they keep going back to the same place. They keep going back to the same people. They keep turning on their phones and looking at the same stuff. They keep listening to the same things. And they said, I'm sorry, a hundred times, but yet they never repented. Because repentance is not saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is saying, hold on a second. I'm stopping and I'm turning. And now instead of going this way, I'm going this way. Amen. I'm not going back to that place. I'm not going back to those people. I'm not going back to that thing. I've changed my course of action. So that's what he says. You must repent. Change your inner self. And there's only one way that you can change your inner self. Did you know this? It's the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that I'll give you my spirit and I'll take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. That's why religion can put a bunch of rules on you. But yet now you got a bunch of Christians that are walking in condemnation because they can't carry out the rules. But whenever God changes you from the inside out, you're a different person. I ain't trying to walk in the light. I am the light. Amen. The light's in me. I'm not just trying to be a better person. I'm not a horrible person trying to be a better person. I'm transformed. I'm made into a new creation by the Spirit of God. He changed me. He took those desires out of me. I don't want to leave your, you know, it changes a man where you don't want to leave your family. You don't want to leave your children. You don't want to leave your wife. You want to be a provider. You want to be a, a, a strong, loving man of God. You want to be a good man. You don't want to be a thief. You don't want to be a cheat. You don't want to be a liar. God changes you from the inside out. And only the Spirit of God can do that. To repent means to change your inner self. It means to change your old way of thinking. You've got to change the way that you think. How do you change the way that you think? The Word of God. Hold up your Bible and say the Word of God. The Bible says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, washed by the water of God's Word. That's why, guys, I'm telling you, once you get saved, I've heard it. You know, one of my, I was telling somebody at lunch yesterday, one of the favorite things I ever do is get to go minister at God Tell. I love it. What are the, you think it's crazy because don't you know people like hold it against you? This doesn't make me better than anybody else. But I've never touched drugs my entire life. I've never seen drugs my entire life. I think one time in high school I saw a bag of pot. 
And I'm being honest, it wasn't because I was a saint. I'm being honest with you. My friends didn't do drugs. So much of life is determined by who you surround yourself with. I was not living for God. I was a heathen chasing after girls, bound in other addictions. But yet I never did drugs. Why? Because I didn't hang out with anybody that did it. You can actually change your circumstance by changing the people you surround yourself with. Do you know that? That's another Christian's problem is they give their life to Jesus, but yet they just go back to the same place and start doing the same things. You've got to remove. You're not judging. You're not saying I'm better than you. Now, you know, I'm more holy than you. You, you just realize I've decided to follow Jesus, and I can't, I can't keep going here. I can't keep surround. My fellowship has to change. You can minister to those people. But you have to realize, now that I gave my life to Jesus, I can't be BFFs with somebody that's linking arms with the devil. I'll still love you. I'll pray for you. I'll talk to you. I could spend time with you, but now my position has changed where I'm not drawing from you. I'm trying to get something in you. Jesus was the only one that was righteous in his generation, and yet he never sinned. He didn't let what was outside of him get into him. Because he didn't come trying to receive anything from any man. He came giving to all men. I'm not here to receive. I'm here to give you something. Yeah, I don't listen. That's how you have to treat it, and it's not arrogance, but you realize this. I, you don't, I, I don't need anything that you have. You need what I have, and it's not because I'm great. It's because of the one that lives on the inside of me is the one that you need. When you're a Christian, say this. Say, the world... Wants what I got and say, I got what the world wants. Say, the world needs what I got and I got what the world needs. Hallelujah. That's why I don't ever let people make you feel like embarrassed. The devil will make you feel embarrassed to win souls. <laughs> look at you. <laughs> wow, you look ridiculous. You need what I have, whether you know it or not. The Bible says that the whole earth is groaning for the sons of God to be made manifest. The world is waiting for somebody to share Jesus with them. Don't let the devil lie to you and make you feel stupid or make you feel like a fool, like they're going to laugh at me. Okay, laugh, but you'll either figure it out now or you'll figure it out one day because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. You need the one that lives on the inside of me. So you can't make me feel inferior. Are you guys with me? Hallelujah. So it means to change your old way of thinking. Anyways, I was saying that with the recovery ministry that we used to do, you always heard people give their testimonies. Man, I'm just the biggest drug dealer. I'm from Lee County. Anybody ever heard of Hobbs, New Mexico? I'm from there. I'm from Lovington and Hobbs, Lee County. And, you know, everybody in, in Lee County was the biggest drug dealer. It's funny. You hear this guy's testimony? He was the biggest drug dealer. And then it's like this other Christian's like, what are you talking about? I was the biggest drug dealer. No, I was the biggest drug dealer. You guys are saved. What are you doing? Who cares who was the biggest drug dealer? Everyone was the biggest drug dealer, you know. Oh, man, I was running multi-million dollar operations. Okay, listen, you have to change the way that you think. You ain't the biggest drug dealer anymore. I'm a son of God. I'm the seed of Abraham. I'm the righteousness of Christ. I can't think with that old mind anymore. 
It means to change your way of thinking. It means to regret your past sins. You've got to regret your sins. You know, Apostle Paul said, I'm ashamed of the things that I used to do. That's really what drives you to repentance. The Bible talks about godly sorrow that leads to repentance. You're not walking around bragging about all the drugs you used to sell and the things you used to do and the girls you used to sleep with. It grieves you. You're like, you know what? I'm not proud of that. I'm ashamed of it. I'm not living in condemnation and I'm not living in guilt because the blood of Jesus cleanses even our consciousness. It cleanses us where we don't walk around with the stain of guilt anymore, but I'm not proud of those things. I don't identify with that person. I'm dead. The old me's dead. He's not struggling around and we're just trying to make him a better person. He's dead. I don't identify with him anymore. I was born again. And when I was born again, I became a new man. You know, you got to realize that, re- that realization. That's why in the Bible, God changed many people's names. Abram to Abraham. Jacob to Israel. Paul, Saul to Paul. Which, they, well, you know, Saul, Paul was just the Gentile version of Saul. You're missing the point. Because you're not just a better version of who you were. You're a new creation in Christ. Brand new. Washed by the blood of Jesus. Are y'all with me? Hallelujah. It says, you must change your old way of thinking. You must regret your past sins. Live your life in a way that proves repentance. And seek God's purpose for your life. For the kingdom of heaven is, is near. That's Matthew 4, 17 in the Amplified. So this is under the point, I need to get moving here. Jesus, the Bible instructs us to be baptized. Jesus said as he commissioned his disciples in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, go and make disciples of all nations. What do you do to make disciples? Baptizing them. Say baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, Acts 2, 37 through 40. Peter preaches the gospel to these people for the first time. And it says, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to their apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized. Say baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promises to you, to your children, and to those far away. For all have been called by God, our, uh, all have been called by the Lord our God. Then can, Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. So the Bible clearly teaches that we need to be baptized. Amen. Say, I need to be baptized. If you're not baptized, you need to get baptized. If, you, if, you, if you're on the fence, let this be the thing that pushes you over and just decide, today, I'm going to get baptized. I'm not waiting. Amen. So now, we can clearly see the Bible instructs baptism. So let's answer this question. What is baptism? What is baptism? Very simply, baptism is an outward expression of repentance. Baptism is an outward expression of repentance. I want you to say that. Say baptism Baptism. is an outward expression of repentance. 
I kind of already covered this. It's okay, I was flowing with the Spirit. But the Bible teaches repentance, not just an idea of faith. What I mean by that is the Bible doesn't just teach to be saved. You just need to, well, I believe Jesus Christ is the Lord. You know the Bible says even the demons believe that? Well, I'm saved. I believe Jesus is the Lord. Guys, that's a fact whether you believe it or not. You know, just because you believe Muhammad is God doesn't make Muhammad God. Are you with me? Jesus Christ is the Lord. That's a fact. And the Bible actually says even the demons believe that. They don't doubt. They don't think Buddha's God. They don't think Muhammad's God. They know that there's one name given above every name, and his name is Jesus. Well, I think that Jesus Christ is the Lord, and I've, I've, I've said that. I believe in that. I'm American. You know, I'm kind of a Christian. That's what we do. The Bible doesn't just teach about having this, this kind of ver- your version of faith. The Bible teaches repentance. Say repentance. Amen. Every person that wants to come to Christ must change their inner self, which happens, as I said, when you get born again. You must change your old way of thinking. You must regret your past sins. You must live your life in a way that proves repentance. You must seek God's purpose for your life. Very simply, and I'll get into this next, what that means is to come to Christ means to lay down your life. And there's many people that have said they've put their faith in God, but they've never laid their life down. There's never been one moment where they've actually said, you know what, I'm not going to pursue after just the money. I'm not going to pursue after the American dream and the pipe dream and all these other things. I'm going, here's a moment where I've decided I'm going to lay my life down and seek nothing but God's purpose for my life. Are you with me? I'm going to live for Jesus. Say, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm not going to be a Christian that struggles in sin and struggles in, in bondage my whole life and hopefully one day maybe I'll get to go to heaven. No, I've decided to live for Jesus. I've forsaken my own life. The Bible teaches repentance. Say repentance. That's why we cannot teach salvation apart from repentance. Look what Jesus said. You know, understand this. The gospel requires you to lay down your life. Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower. Does anybody want to follow Jesus? Come on, raise your hand. If any of you, say any of you. That means no exceptions. Wants to be my follower. You must give up your own way. Well, this is just the way that things have been. This is the way daddy taught me. This is the way the, my Uncle Bubba told me to do things. You have to give it up and come under submission of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to forsake that old way. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. You know, this is... A little bit morbid, but guys, you know, we call what taking up, y'all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut Netflix out. I'm taking up my cross, hallelujah. Now, that's not what Jesus was talking about. What do you think Jesus was talking about when he talked about the cross? Death. He didn't metaphorically get nailed to a cross. He literally got nailed to a cross. And what he was telling them is, if you want to follow me, you have to be willing to go where I'm going. 
You have to be willing to decide to follow me. Even if they threaten your life, you have decided that I am the king of kings. I am the Lord of lords. And I'm the name above every name. And so I cannot forsake you. I will not forsake you. Even if my life is threatened, I will not forsake you. Guys, and I have a question to ask. How can we expect Christians to die for Jesus when in America we can't get Christians to live for Jesus? He didn't say this was optional. He didn't say it was suggestional. He didn't say think about it. He said, if you want to follow me, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. There's only one way for, to be saved, to save your life. It's laying it down at the feet of Jesus. And guys, I'm here to tell you, I know many Christians, they think the Bible's true, they think Jesus is the Lord, but that's why I've been pushing you. That's why last Sunday, when we had that kind of outbreak, where I was pushing you to the altar, because I want a moment in your life to be marked, where you can identify, there was a moment, not just when I thought Jesus was God, and okay, I decided I'm going to be a Christian, there was a moment where I had a heart-to-heart with God, where I took my life like an offering, and I laid it down at his feet, and I said, here I am, Lord, I have decided to follow you from this day forward, no turning back. Though none go with me, Lord, still I will follow. If I'm the only one, still I will follow. No turning back. If you've never done that, this is essential. Say it's essential. So look what he says in the Amplified, same verse, Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself. Look what that means. It says in the Amplified, set aside selfish interests. And that's really coming to the point where my interests don't matter. Not my will, Lord, let your will be done. Are you with me? Guys, and Christians use that out of context. Well, I'm sick. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. That's not what he's talking about. It's about laying your life down for the single purpose of the harvest of souls. The, work, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Pray to God who's in charge of the harvest that he would send workers into the field. It's laying your life down that, Lord, I'm on this earth to rescue people that are in darkness, to save people that are going straight to hell that don't even know it. I must do everything that I can. Hallelujah. If I'm called to this pulpit, I better get to it. I better figure out what you've called me to do, and I better preach Christ and save people. If I'm called to business, man, I better excel in that business, and I better get it prospering, and I better take what the Lord puts in my hand and use it for the harvest of souls. It's to deny your own interests. And to take up the interests of God. Is this helping anybody? He said you must set aside your selfish, in, your selfish interests and take up his cross. And it means expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. And follow me. Believing in me. Conforming to my example and in living. Say in living. It means you live like Jesus lived. And if need be in dying. Suffering, perhaps dying because of faith in me. 
For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. I'm telling you guys right here, listen to me. Are you guys listening? If you try to live for Jesus, but you're going to be on the fence, say, well, I'm going to live kind of for the Lord. I'll try this thing out, but I'm going to have one foot over here and the other foot over here. I'm going to tell you right now, it will not work. You will get one week down the road. You may get one month down the road, but you'll figure out very quickly that it doesn't work. You will eventually lose your life unless you surrender it to Jesus. For whoever loses his life in this world for my sake will find it. That is life with me for all eternity. Hallelujah. So the gospel, say the gospel, requires me to lay down my life. And I'm going to tell you a secret. When you lay down your life, what you're getting is better than what you're giving. (laughs) Amen. What you get, what God is offering you, not just heaven, is better on this earth than what, you, than what you're giving to him. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and he sold everything, say everything, that he owned to get enough money to buy the field. I'll stop right there. Very simple. A lot of people pass over it and don't realize this, but I thought about this one time. You know, you see this guy, he's walking through a field, some random field he doesn't own, and all of a sudden he's walking and he trips, he looks, his toes bleeding, and he figures, oh my gosh, I just, there's a diamond sticking out of the ground this big. A 500 carat diamond sticking out of this ground. How much would that be worth? 500, is that even the real thing? Does that exist? If it doesn't, for hypothetical reasons, all right, it exists. And it's sticking out of this ground. This guy looks, and automatically, what does he do? He makes sure, is anyone watching? And he, he, bury, he buries the diamond. He buries the diamond. And then he goes, and he walks off the field, and he looks back, and he sees a for sale sign. And he thinks, if I buy this field, I get the diamond. So guess what? You think that he thought twice about selling his home? You think he thought twice about selling his car? No, he didn't. Because why? Because the diamond in the field was more valuable than anything that he owned. He's like, I have a house that's worth what? Okay, this field's 100 grand. Let's say it's an expensive field. It's like commercial property, which is probably more than that if it's commercial property, but and he's sitting here saying, 100 grand, what can I, okay, I'm going to go sell my clothes, I'm going to go sell my car, I'm going to go sell my house, uh, anything, I'm going to, man, my sister, she left some clothes in my closet, I'm going to put those things on Facebook, I'm going to sell everything that I have. Why? Was that a hard sacrifice to make? No, because you realize the value of this diamond is so astronomically larger than anything that I have of value in my life. It's not a sacrifice to choose what's better. Are you with me? That's the lie of the devil. You serve Jesus, life's going to get dull. It's going to get boring. It's just going to be filled with nothing but tragedy. He said the kingdom is like a treasure that's hidden in the field. What he's saying is what you're getting is so much better and more valuable than what you currently possess. 
Because the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He will lead me to green pastures and still waters. He will lead me to the place where my cup overflows with blessing. Because the blessing of the Lord will make a man rich and add no sorrow to it. Come on, hallelujah. It's not a sacrifice to choose what's better. That's what you do when you choose to follow God. You lose what's lesser and you gain what's better. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Are you with me? <laughs> Praise you. That's why it's not hard. Brother John, you're 27 years old. Isn't it hard living for the Lord? Isn't it? Wouldn't you rather be out in the clubs? No. <laughs> no. Nothing in me drives by that bar on the way to Lufkin and looks and thinks, man, I sure wish that I was sitting in there. Because I've already seen the Lord do more for me than what I could ever have done for myself in my 20s. I've seen God do it. And I've seen this. I'm like, Lord, literally, when you called me, yes, it cost me everything that I had. But when I paid the price of laying it all down, what you gave me is so much better, so much more, so much more profitable, so much more of a blessing than anything that I had of myself. It pays to serve God. So what is water baptism? Let's finish it up with this. Turn to Romans chapter 6. We're talking about repentance. We're talking about laying down your life. Now look what Apostle Paul teaches in Romans 6. So remember, baptism is an outward expression of this repentance. Say repentance. Repentance means to lay it down. It means to surrender your life. It means to change your course of action. It means to change the way that you think. I was this way. Anybody seen the Chosen series? Powerful moment where this woman, they come to her. She was demon-possessed. And then the, the, the high priest or Pharisee, whatever it was, stumbles into this woman. And he looks at this woman who's clean. She, she has a clean look in her eye. She's delivered. She's functioning like a normal human being. And he said, what happened to you? I don't know. He said, I was this way. <laughs> but now I'm this way. And the thing, the difference was him. I was this way, and then I met him. And now I'm this way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So baptism is an outward expression of repentance. And so in Romans chapter 6, we see this, this laying down of your life. I'm just going to read a section here. It says, well, then, should we keep on sinning to show us, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Say, of course not. You know, the grace of God, it's, people abuse it because it's so free. You can't earn it. God will forgive you. It doesn't matter, Jesus said, even if you've sinned 77 times, seven times. He's not a hypocrite. If he told you to forgive your brother 77 times seven, would he be a hypocrite and stop forgiving you? No, he wouldn't. He's not a hypocrite. He's not double-minded. He doesn't tell you to do one thing and then do another. But people take that message and abuse it. 
Well, if God will forgive me and forgive me and forgive me, then I can go on sinning. I can go on living the way that I used to live and doing what I used to do. That's not the grace of God. The grace of God is understanding what you've been forgiven of. You realize the debt. You realize what you deserve. And you realize what he freely gave you. It changes you. I deserve death. I deserve hell. I deserve to be outcast, forgotten, left stranded. But yet he lifted me up when I didn't deserve it. He forgave me. He put his spirit in me. He washed me clean. He cast my sin as far as the east is from the west. How could I take that salvation and then spit in his face by walking all over it like a rug, showing that it doesn't mean anything to me? It means everything to me. Should we continue to sin so God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism? We were joined in his death. This is what baptism is. Very simply, it'll go on to explain this, that this is symbolic. The way that Jesus died, Jesus hung on a cross and he died and he was put in a tomb. And the Bible says that when we get baptized, what we're saying is the same way that Christ went into that tomb, when I go into that water, that old me, that old man, that old woman goes into that water, into a grave, into a tomb. But Jesus didn't stay in a tomb. He rose again. And I believe that when I come out of that water, I'm rising up to new life. I believe that when I come out of that water, I've decided to follow him. And now I'm going to live as a new creation in Christ. I've forsaken all to follow Jesus. And this will be the moment where that old man is dead. This is the moment where I renounce addiction, where I renounce adultery, where I renounce being a thief, being a liar, being a cheater. I renounce it all. And now I, I take the free gift of God and I use it to serve him. I take a new life that's been given to me, and I use it to serve him. Hallelujah. So it says, have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. For you, we have been united with him in his death. We will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. So that sin may lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Hallelujah. That's why I tell you, I'm not lying to you. According to the Bible, there's not 13, 15, 50 steps to recovery. You can be set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we also know that we will live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. 
Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should, this is what baptism is right here. You should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. When I go in there, I'm considering myself dead. It's not some religious thing that we do. Just because we're supposed to, I'll get water baptized. I'm considering, from, I'm considering myself dead when I go into that water. And he'll give me life by the power of his spirit. Do not let sin control the way that you live and don't give in to your sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. That's it. Give yourself. That's what you're doing. I'm, give, I'm making a statement. I'm giving myself completely to God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well, then, since grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. When you decide to follow Jesus, guys, I'm telling you, his spirit will come in you and it will lead to righteous living. You won't be a struggling addict. You won't be a adulterer in your heart. You won't struggle with those things anymore. I believe that. You won't. God will take the struggle out. We had a sister come a few weeks ago from God Tell. She came up. She got saved. She got touched by the Lord, and her shirt said, the struggle is real. And I told her, you need to cross that out and, and write, the struggle is over in Jesus' name. Yeah. Hallelujah. The struggle is over. Thank God once you were slaves to sin, but now you're wholehearted, you wholeheartedly obey this teaching that we've been giving you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. So say, I'm a slave to Jesus. Guys, it's really not that hard. I, I'm a, I must do what is in the heart of God to do. We must win souls. We must feed people. We must help people. We don't have a choice. I'm a slave to Jesus. I don't, I don't have a choice. But I choose to. I, choose, I have a choice to be a slave, right? I do have a choice in that, in that regard. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness which led you deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You're now ashamed of the things that you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Praise God for that. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise for that. Hallelujah.
And I want to just pray this last thing over you, and then we're going to celebrate with baptism. I'm going to pray not only when you go under there, God's forgiven you, but the Bible says you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 12 through 14. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if by the power, say the power, of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So the the power of God, the Holy Spirit gives you power to live for Christ. Are you with me? There's a power that comes on you that allows you to put addiction to death. Are you with me? It allows you to put alcoholism to death. It allows you to put cigarettes to death. It allows you to put pornography to death. It allows you to, there's a power that allows you to kill that thing and live above it. And then Philippians 2.13, last verse. For God is working in you, giving you the desire, say the desire. This comes from the Holy Ghost. He gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Hallelujah. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.